Well, I have with me today the lead designer of Second Edition and the shadowy master of the Make It So competition, Mr. Brad DeFruiter. How are you today, Brad? I'm having a great day, Charlie. Thanks for having me on. Well, people have been wanting to hear from you since we started, but it's finally time to hear your thoughts on designing and what an assistant designer is and this competition in general. Let's, real briefly, I know this information's been out there before, but real briefly, just let everybody know how you got started as a Star Trek designer. I always played decks that were a little bit offbeat. And then there was uh, staffing constraints at Decipher, and they hired, they looked to hire some people to do some remote design work. Um, it didn't start out as very much, but I tried to do as much as I could and did a decent amount. And then when a position opened up in the design studio, I got a, a cryptic message that said, uh, we don't think you're qualified for the job, but we'd still like you to send in an application. I guess it all went well from there on out. Do you remember the first uh, expansion that you worked on? I worked on the board, is what I worked on remotely. I worked on the board. And then um, when I got hired, Already, all first edition had pretty much been done. So, you know, it was Project Trek, which didn't go over very well, and then uh, Star Trek Second Edition. And of course, I, I worked on all those things as well to finish up uh, first, first edition work. But the moment I was hired on, um, that was the first thing they told me. They said, uh, first edition is going to be no more, and we need to work on something different, and here's the people you're going to be working with. It was it was a bit of a shocker to come into to finishing playtesting, you know, uh, you know, motion pictures or holodeck episodes, motion pictures, and then to show up for work and told, yeah, all that stuff you did, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. It was, it was a bit odd. Uh, it was a little bit hard to take. In fact, I think that about a week into work, um, the director uh, above me at the time, Ken Ellington, stopped by my desk and said, uh, "You regret the decision." So, uh, it was interesting. So, just as a side tangent here, now that 1E is back into production again, so to speak, does that, you know, bring back some positive feelings for you to see the game that you were so heavily involved in uh, back to back to life? It, it does. And, um, it, I get excited whenever uh, I get a scene of the cards they're working on and stuff like that. Um, I also just really love the... Um, some of the pictures and stuff like that, uh, the art teams that are that we've got put together that are working on some of these cards. Um, it's exciting to see, you know, first new first edition cards out there, or even alternate image first edition cards. It's it's exciting to see. Um, at the same time, I run into some of the frustrations that I had with first edition, but I imagine that um, if I was more invested in first edition, I would probably be looking at second edition and seeing. Gotcha. It's it's tough enough to design one game, let alone having to really worry about two. I, I can't imagine. <laughs> so. Well, you know, at, at a time I had worked on multiple games. I mean, I uh, I had at Cypher, you know, I was designing uh, Beyblade while I uh, worked on some stuff for Necessary Evil. Um, and it was very clear that anything I was working on for Necessary Evil had to be done when I needed a distraction for working with Beyblade. 
And also at the time, I was doing lots of in-house testing for Lord of the Rings and giving lots of feedback there, and it turned out that I started designing for Lord of the Rings. So it was it was very difficult because all three games spoke a different language, and having to translate between those three languages was difficult. And I have to imagine that anybody who goes back and forth between first edition and second edition Star Trek, uh, it must be even more difficult because there's so many things that are similar but will use different terminology and different languages. It has to be a little bit difficult. Yeah, I know that I've done a little bit of work on both and have caught myself saying away team on a second edition card or plays in your core on a first edition card. I've definitely caught myself doing that. Difficult. It's difficult, that's for sure. So you've been doing second edition now with the continuing committee for almost three years, which that's pretty awesome in and of itself. Um, yeah. How is your process in terms of designing an expansion from conception all the way to release day? How is it different with the continuing committee than it was when you were with the Cypher? Um, well, obviously the Cypher had a lot more time to work on it, um, even though the, there was always more tasks than just designing cards, but there were some days where that was it. I mean, it was an eight-hour day of working on cards, and um, you tend to get a little bit more focused that way. And um, then when you have shower time or drive time, you know, that, that time where you don't have anything going on or you're doing something really rote in your life that can let your mind wander to work, it would compound on that. Um, but now um, it seems like the only time I get to think about um, the game is during some of that that rote set-off time, the shower time, the drive time, um, I'm only able to really dedicate a few hours every day to working on the card. So right there, just the amount of time that's put into the card um, is vastly different. And, and of course, also having a, in a game company, you have other designers to talk to and other producers to talk to. I can't impress upon you how many times I would walk over to a, a Chuck Hollenbach or, um, or Tom Lischke's desk and ask a question, and neither of them were working on the project I was working on, but to ask them a general philosophy question and then get an answer back that might help, or, or ask a wording question, and then be able to walk over to someone that was on my project, whether it was, you know, an Evan Lorenz, uh, you know, a Michael Gerard, or, or even to, to go talk to someone that maybe was kind of working on my project and doing development on it, like a Joe Allred, and come back with the same question that they knew was obviously a loaded question to get more more views of feedback and to get it instantly. Now if I want something, I've got to, I've got to post it via my, my, my secret message boards or um, I've got to find a text message or fire off an email and you don't always get those instant thoughts back. And then, so it's, it's very, very different between the two. Very different. Are there any particular advantages, though, to not having to deal with printing companies and approval processes and lame marketing decisions? Does that sort of make up for the trade-off in productivity for you, or is it... Somewhat, but not entirely. Just because uh, sometimes uh, I still follow the same guidelines that I would for the approval process, um, except that I, uh, you know, obviously there's some actors that we don't have approval for that I, that I do use now, you know, made, mostly in the original series. Approval for the original series imagery was really difficult because there were a lot of actors that didn't sign off. So in order for us to use their image, they had to detract 
some of these actors and actresses, I mean, they've moved on with their lives, or they may not be alive anymore, and contacting their estate can be very difficult. Um, and also, um, sometimes estates don't want to deal with it. They, they just want people to move on. So that's something that's nice, but I don't have to worry about that. But if I want to use um, you know, the, the, the head of security from the devil in the dark, I can grab him and use him while, while I was in the cipher. I couldn't because the Paramount uh, CBS didn't have his, uh, his approvals on file. Um, so that's nice. Um, not having that lag from, I mean, when we, when we finalize the cards to when they get sent out, there's not very much time in, in the continuing committee. And sometimes that's nice, um, but uh, sometimes it's a little bit frustrating and that I wouldn't mind, you know, that, that two-month process where those cards are, away, are out, out being printed and cut and stuff that I can start working on the next project and not feel like I'm already behind the next project. So sometimes I feel when I transition from one virtual expansion to the next that I've got to hit the, hit the ground running and I can't just, you know, slowly meander into it. But, uh, like I said, I, I still do a lot of things that, approval-wise, I don't need any goofy-looking faces or pictures. Um, uh, there, we had an actor that, for approvals, um, he routinely um, dismissed 50% of the images that we'd set up for him. We sent him to have approvals. He, it didn't matter how many, he would, he would say no to half of them. So even now, when I still do an image of this, this actor, I pull up multiple images of him and try to make sure that I'm getting out the best possible image for him at that moment. So, so uh, we, we still do some of that, which I think adds to a better product. I, think. I would agree. I think that uh, people are really happy overall with the quality of the cards, and that's a testament to, to you, I think. You know, I think one thing that helps with the quality of the cards is also um, the art team that, that, that Johnny's leading right now. Um, you can look at the art images from the first virtual expansion and just um, look through them expansion by expansion, and the images get better and better and better as you go. And it's, uh, I, I wish I could take more credit for it, but I have to say that it's its mostly its mostly Johnny's work and um, his eye for things. Um, I think Dan in the warehouse helps as well because he'll do some, some print runs where he prints that. So, the images out to even try to get another look on how they look when they print it because uh, remarkably images do look different from when they're on um, on the sheets to when they're, they're on the computer screen to when they're, they're printed out which um, I mean when I was at Cypher that's something that I, I didn't worry about very much the art department was worried about that you know um, if there was something where I wanted them to maybe match a color better to what it originally was or make something a little bit darker. They, they take the time to walk me through why, you know, computer screens look different than print screens, but um, it's, it's nice to have uh, that kind of resources around to help with things. We only are able to do what we do because we have such talented people volunteering their time, so. Yeah, true that, true that. Big thanks to all of our volunteers, yourself included. So, <laughs> when you start to sit down to make a virtual expansion, how do you, what's, what, just give us an idea of what your thought process is for picking what's going to be in the expansion. Before you even start working, how do you decide what's going to go into an expansion? Well, my first thought when I sit down to do an expansion, or even if, you know, I'm just sitting down to think of the theme of expansion, 
and I wish there was an easy button for it because it's usually a large undertaking to, uh, to get started and um, difficult. I'd love to say that there's, that there's a formula that I use or that I always say, well, what needs to change in the game and who can I ask for to see the change in the game, you know, so that it's not just my opinions that are going into it. But um, it doesn't always happen like that for every expansion, and um, I think that uh, sometimes it's good to have a themed expansion like the side of Paradise and stuff like that that can maybe get away from a little bit too much of the, of the worry about what's happening what, or what's going to happen in the, the coming expansion. Well, you've worked with at least one other person on all of these expansions to date, and obviously Make It So is entirely about identifying somebody in our community who will be able to work with you and, and has the type of things that you're looking for in an assistant designer. What types of things do you look for when you're looking for help and, and how many people to bring on board with you when you're working on an expansion? When I work on expansion, I think it's good to just have one or two people there. With, with having Mike Gerard around, too, um, he, he usually just you know works a lot more. But Or toward the beginning of expansion, um, Add some energy and offbeat ideas, which are which are great to demand a great resource to have around. But it usually is just myself and one other person, maybe two other people. It depends on what I'm looking for and what I see in the skill sets I'm going for um, designers. I think that going forward, um, it's going to be a little bit more of a different philosophy change in how the virtual expansions come out in second edition. Um, and I'm sure that we'll talk about that in the article sometime down the future or something like that. I'm Captain James Kirk of the United Starship Enterprise. Ah, so you are the captain of these brave lads. My greetings and felicitations, Captain. So good of you and your officers to uh, <laughs> drop in. Absolutely smashing. Who are you? Where do you come from? General Trelane, retired. At your service, sirs. My home is your... You know what? Why don't I spoil it right here? This coming expansion, we need to expansion from now on. We're going to add a team, um, a group of personnel that um, that work together. And I think we saw the teams in, uh, in some past expansions, and um, we're going to do that again. And I think that's one reason why Make It So Challenge had teams in it toward the end, and that the prize was going to be that the winning team was going to be in a future expansion because we're going to do that. And, um, I haven't totally decided how I'm going to do it in future expansions, but I think that um, I may be bringing on one designer to just work on that team and to help out me and the other designer that are working on the, other, the rest of the card. But uh, I think I think that's exciting for those in numbers. Um, to answer more more straightly your question about what I look for, I look for um, an individual that's going to be willing to do research and go read through cards and be able to put up lots of ideas and have them put down or not even discussed and um, uh, have an individual that also at the same time isn't going to let me just pull them over that's going to keep on mentioning that they've got problems with the card or they really want this card to change. And um, It's great to continually talk about that. Um, I know some people have taken sometimes my lack of communication or poor communication as being that I think that I don't want to talk about something anymore, but it's it's not always the case. It's just uh, sometimes my timeline for how, how much I, I have to communicate about certain things. But um, 
I like that designer. Um, I know that when I first brought on James to work on a, an expansion, his first statement was, uh, I'm not that creative. I let him know that um, I, I, I don't need creative all the time. Um, sometimes creative happens. Uh, I, I myself don't think that I'm a very creative person. I just think that I look at things a little bit differently than most people do. And um, I, think, uh, I think it helps, and I think it translates onto the cards, and it makes it look like there's some innovation and creativity going on there when it's just... Um, Maybe looking at an, an old idea through um, different class. You mentioned teams. You, you mean like the type of things that we saw in Allegiance? Is that a, is that what you're defining as a team? Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, like in Allegiance and in um, you know uh, in Amir Darkly, uh, those teams of a, a group of personnel that um, have a common gameplay that links them up, um, so that you have to play them with each other. Um, Makos are a great idea. I think that there's there's maybe one Mako out there in, in, in Brandon Scott that doesn't have to have Makos with them. Everybody else has got to have Makos. All the Makos have to have Makos with them. I think it's a great theme. Um, I wish that the mere TOS people had a better team to, to link them together, but so many of those teams, and especially in Allegiance, I mean, those those teams have to have each other around, and um, um, that's what I'm looking to do. In each expansion, and if it means that we go over 45 cards, that we make over 45 cards, I have to get the chairman's blessing on that, which is good. But um, I do mentioning card count. I, I am going into each expansion from now on, expecting to do 45 cards. I don't want people to get excited that there's going to be any double expansions anytime soon. Uh, it's a lot of work, and um, it's not always something that um, I'm looking forward to doing again. But you never know. You you mentioned that there is a team in this next expansion coming out very soon. Do you want to maybe hint at what what team it might be? Yes, um, I think it's a team that uh, comes from an affiliation that is not uh, super well defined. I think having a team like that may actually give them a little bit of definition out there. It's also a team that um, has already got multiple teams. It's for an affiliation that already has multiple teams already they're available for them. It's, um, it's odd, but I think it goes to show that maybe this affiliation doesn't have as much focus as what, um, what maybe I want. I don't, I don't know how the players feel about it, but you know, it's something that I, I would want a little more focus. And, and, I'll, and, I'll, and let me explain why I think I, I like a little more focus on what an affiliation does and doesn't do. Because I think sometimes the constraints, putting, putting them in a box, actually helps the design process because it means that they can only go so far. Um, so that means they've got to find other ways to get around the obstacles and do things. You know, they got to do things their way. And I think that, that restraint helps um, create more creativity, and I think it um, also makes it easier to design a card. You know, if, if I just pitched a random idea out to uh, people that says,
candy-coated, you know, that they're just their own color and that's how we tell them apart, that they do things differently. So uh, I, think, I think it's a really good thing to do, yeah. Absolutely, and I think it's it's one of the reasons second edition is as strong as it is, and one of the things that makes it different from first edition. Ah, yes, I've been looking in on the doings on your lively little earth. And you've been looking in on the doings 900 years past. Oh, really? If I made an error in time, how fallible of me. Oh, I did so want to make you feel at home. I I'm quite proud of the detail. General Trelane. Retired, sir. Just Squire Trelane now. And you may call me Squire. Yes, I rather fancy that. As a lead designer, what types of decisions do you have to make? You know, everybody's going to do it differently. But the way that I do it, and the way I like to do it, it makes me sound like a bit of a control freak. But uh, that's just the way I do it. Um, I start off with uh, some, some direction. I tend to leave it open-ended. I don't tend to say this is specifically what, I, what we're looking for, but I may rattle off, do I have ideas for this, this, and this? Any other ideas you want to pitch, you can, but let's try to focus on, you know, maybe these three things, or these four things. And here's a picture that I want to see on the card, let's do that too. What I expect out of my team is for them to um, pitch ideas. I want to pitch a lot of ideas, but I don't want it to be overwhelmed with ideas, so that there needs to be a moderate amount of ideas. I would say for any card, I want anywhere between one or three options for that card slot. So that adds up to a lot of ideas. You look at a 45-card set, I think that's why, uh, excuse me, a 45-card virtual expansion. I think that's why some sometimes that 45 cards is harder than what it is. And then uh, I make the decisions. I take the ideas along with whatever ideas I have, whether I've written them down or I haven't written them down, and I go into the file. Our file is short of 45 cards, short of 45 cards, where we'll have more cards, more ideas as we go along. If it's over 45 cards, um, it's over, and I try not to be too much over. I put those cards in, and then um, I ask everybody to review them. We'll look over what we got, what we don't have, fill any holes, or maybe we'll trim some stuff off that we don't like, and try to go to testers. Each week, we need to make decisions on uh, cards, and uh, it's got to be based off of Playtester feedback or some of the, the designers' discussions with them. And the designers will have discussions all week long about, about cards. Um, sometimes we may not have those discussions until after the feedback's dropped, but um, I expect more feedback from, from my design team. I want them to say, uh, I think we should word it like this, I think we should word it like that. And, you know, Playtester groups A said go left, and Playtester group B said go right. And um, one of my design team members agrees with one, and the other agrees with the other, and i got to make a decision. And um, I like to say I'm the hammer at the end. Uh, you know, I'll, 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 I'll knock everything out of the way, and the direction will go. What uh, we frustrating sometimes is if I don't have an answer, I'll either leave the card just as it is and go with another round of testing, or I'll pull it out and work on it. So um, it may be hard for some people to realize, oh, wait, that card just being worked on. It's maybe go back into the file or, um, yeah, this card still causes problems, but it's because we can't decide on something. But I do try to make those final decisions on where we're going with stuff and go from there. I also make some of the final decisions on titles and lore and story as well. I do expect um, feedback from those that are working on the project on, on where they want to go. and. It takes a 
suggestions a lot better than maybe some people think, but I don't don't let everything be surprised by other people. There's times where I, I just got to go with my decisions, and um, maybe it's a little bit arrogant, but I'd also like to, to point out that I, I've been doing this for a while, and it's not my first rodeo, and I, I kind of know what I'm doing, and I kind of know what uh, we want to see in the end. Hopefully, in the end, when everything's said and done, it, it comes out all right. There's not too many cards that players just... Uh, Dismiss is unplayable, and there's not too many cards that players say, oh, my God, this is going to ruin the game. <laughs> Hope it works out. Oh, I think the, the balance of the people's opinion is overwhelmingly positive in in, in your favor. So you, you've certainly proven yourself over the years that you know what you're doing and you take good care of the game. So thank you for that. Because oh, you no problem. <laughs> this is so much fun. So. Obviously, Make It So has been going on for, for almost eight months now. I don't think any of us thought it was going to be this big of a process when we started it, but has anything surprised you throughout the course of Make It So? Has anything jumped out at you as, as really, wow, I never saw that coming? There's, there's a couple times where I've seen a card here and there that I said, oh, wow, that, that's, that's a neat idea. Oh, wait, that's, that's really like this card over here, which is what how my design process goes is sometimes I, re I recycle cards a lot, maybe change what their affiliation flavor is or or change them enough that they're not recognizable anymore, stuff like that. It's exciting to, to see some of those things happen. The, the one thing that I was, I'm really excited about, and I think it speaks well of our community, was how many of the make it, you know, I get to see behind the scenes. I get to see how a lot of these uh, contestants are going through their thought process and stuff, you know. Um, exciting to see how often they were willing to work together and not work against each other. Uh, I think that on the reality shows on television, there's much more backstabbing and, you know, oh, well, he goofed up, I'll let him fall off and die. You don't see that here in this Make It So competition. I think it talks a lot about the, the character of, uh, of our community, and I think that's great, especially when you just see how many people hated cuts. They hated cuts every week. Like they wanted to keep that fraternity of contestants around for as long as they could. It's exciting to know that we've got that type of community. And I have to tell you, um, from for a while now, I looked at what we were left with the pool of people, and I said, you know, I can honestly see working with any of these guys on a design team. I, I think another thing that, that surprised me that also speaks very highly of our people is that the, the non-aligned team started up where that somebody got cut. Ben Husp was was cut early, and he he didn't want to stop, so he step he kept doing it. And then more and more people who were eliminated started working with him, and they just kept right at it, trying to to learn what we were teaching and trying to prove that they knew what they were doing. And they uh, they definitely attracted some attention. I think that speaks very highly of them that they were down but not out, or or out but not down, so to speak. I I, I can't agree with you more. I think it's exciting to do that and you know maybe some of them wanted to prove that uh that they, they still had the chops and maybe some just wanted to do it for the fun of it um either way it was it was nice and refreshing and i'm glad that there weren't any um oh this is why you got eliminated <laughs> spots for the city <laughs> anything like that so that was great I, I i will say this about the testaments we had all the way along i got strapped with someone that I was uncomfortable with, I think uh, we still find a way to make it work because that's what life's about and that's what 
any work environments about, and I think that's part of the game's about too. I mean, you can't always sit down and play against your best buddy. You got to play against people that you may be uncomfortable playing against. And works uh, the same way with collecting and um, organizing events and uh, designing the cards as well. Not saying that I've had any uncomfortable moments designing with anybody, but uh, I definitely uh, am looking forward to whoever wins this competition getting a chance to work with them and see what uh, they if they like working. I think what you said a minute ago about fun, that's that's really what this is all about. I, I assume you wouldn't put in all the time you put in on this if you didn't enjoy it, and I know I wouldn't. And we have such a great community of people that are so supportive, and it's just fun to do, you know? And I think as long as it stays fun and everybody has fun, that this will keep going on for hopefully a, a long time. I agree. Do you have any wise words that you would offer to somebody who... <laughs> uh, I've been paying much more attention to these final three than I think that maybe I have to other stuff in the past. I haven't read through everything everybody wrote uh, behind the scenes and talked about behind the scenes, but I'm looking at a, a heck of a lot more, probably about 90% of what's being wrote put out there by these final three and how they're working with their teams and stuff like that. I'm really paying attention to that. I found myself reaching for the, the response button a lot of times. I want to say, oh, no, do it like this. It'll be cool. Or, uh, you know, oh, you, oh, you've got it. Oh, you've got it backwards. No, we want it to go like this. And, uh, and put some things in there. But um, I don't think that, uh, that that's fair for me to, to, to give any of that advice. I want to take it all three. And I would hate to give some advice right now that, Maybe one of these last contestants has down, but the other two don't, and maybe take it to heart. Um, all I'll say is I think that all three have their strengths and their weaknesses, and I think that playing towards their strengths and playing towards their weaknesses is uh, both an advantage on both ways. You've got to be able to say, I'm not good at this, I need to have a team member do this, or I'm not good at this, so this is the first thing I'm going to focus on, or this is the thing I'm going to go double check at the end, and um, I'm good at this, so we have to have this in there. I mean, I think those are the, those are the two bits of advice that I think these guys need to do is maybe sit back a little bit and say, because I mean, they're working on cards. I mean, cards are going cards are going to be goose sent. They need to maybe go back and say, what do I suck at? Did I do that here? It, why? Am I afraid of this? Did it not fit well with what I wanted? Did, uh, do I need to go back and, and, and re-examine whether I should do this? Maybe it was good that I didn't do this, but they need to ask those questions of themselves and, and get after it. Um, for me, um, I have to do this every expansion. I am not good with writing out missions, and I'm not good with uh, ships. And I think that um, i got to do both. i gotta, I got to sit back and i got to look at, at some missions and... Maybe I gotta do missions story wise first, but I we've gotta get some missions out there, we've gotta get some ships out of it, especially ships. Lots of players love ships. I love ships too. Ships are a great card in this game because they're always face up. You can always read the text and they move you around. And so there's lots of little things about ships that are important. Um, there's not a lot of cards out there that negate what a ship does either. So a ship gotta meet that fine line in between. Now with our future um to focus on at least having a team in every expansion.
protection. I think that uh, we're, we're, we're going to have to have a ship uh, with those teams. So I, I love having the the ship uh, reinforce the theme or be the linchpin of the theme. It makes it that much more exciting. And, um, of course, that means that uh, i, I got to focus more on ships and, and, and missions, and I think that's good. It's good for me, and um, I think that the same thing needs to happen with uh, those players out there. Outstanding, Brad. I, I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy week to sit down with me and talk about Star Trek design philosophy and, and make it so. Hopefully, what you've said and what we've talked about will answer some questions of the public. I'm really excited about seeing the final entries, especially when I'm seeing some of the direction they're going. Um, I want to see what the final hash is going to be, how things are going to finally work out at the end. And I have to say that I think who these contestants pick to be their teammates is going to have a much larger effect than maybe they thought it was going to have on them. It's uh, on the on their final project, on the, and the cards that are coming out. Um, so I'm interested to see that as well. All right, Brad. Thanks for your time. Have a great day. Charlie, thanks for having me on. Uh, I love to be on. Unfortunately, I'm not going to listen to this because I can't stand the sound of my own voice, but I hope that uh, some others can find it uh, somewhat enjoyable. Well, if you guys do have any follow-up questions, you can always post on the message boards that Brad will answer every now and then, and usually cryptically, but he'll he'll answer one way or another. So, uh, For my guest today, Mr. Brad DeFruiter, I am Charlie Plain, and in the immortal words of Captain Jean-Luc Picard, make it so.